everyone, and welcome to The Digital Marketeer. I'm Stephanie Beach, your host, and today I am with Dan Rosenberg, the CEO of Octane 11. Hi, Dan. Thanks for joining. How are you? Hey, Steph. Good. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. I'm very excited for this session. Um, I would love if we can start, you just give us a little bit of a background of yourself and your career journey. Yeah. I mean, I've always worked with growth technology companies, either on the operating side, in the business development, or in the marketing side, or actually on the investment side as a VC investor and in private equity. I even worked in hedge funds, all in, in growth technology. Um, but right now, uh, I'm the CEO, I was a found, I'm the founder of Octane 11, uh, which is a B2B analytics company. And it was really based on an insight I had at my previous company, which was MediaMath, where I was the chief strategy officer uh, and also the chief marketing officer. And there was always talk about MediaMath in the air, just talking with, with, with partners about how do you become like the central um, hub for the CMO across paid, owned, and earned to get visibility across everything. And it just got to be harder and harder to do because of the fragmentation of media, so many different formats. I mean, first it was video, uh, and then you had um, in-stream video, outstream video, mobile app, mobile web, and then CTV, and then uh, audio and podcasts and digital out of home. Like it just kind of kept on expanding. Wall gardens, of course. Um, it just got to be really hard just in the paid world, much less getting into owned and earned. So there hasn't really been any company that's really been able to connect the dots across everything. Uh, because it's just too hard on the media side. And then on top of that, privacy, GDPR, CCPA, like it's just hard to really connect the dots across everything. What I found at MediaMath in working with B2B companies is that there is an opportunity to create that holistic mosaic for B2B because we are focused on companies, not individuals. And mm -hmm. so if you can get signals from every single touch point, paid, owned, and earned about companies engaging with your marketing and with specific campaigns and topics, and you can connect that to the sales CRM, which is basically the shopping cart for B2B, like then you can really create that mosaic. And so that was the original idea for Octane 11. And that's how we got there. And so it really started that out, like right, right before the pandemic uh, left MediaMath uh, with a small team. And that's when we launched Octane 11. So that's really the, the origin story right there. That's really great. And um, I love that you identified a need and then just kind of came up with the solution when there wasn't one. So who are some of the people that are using it and, and how has it evolved over, you know, the last five years or so of where you started to, to where you are now? Yeah, good question. I mean, it really, it's great for B2B CMOs, uh, really kind of across the spectrum. Anytime you're a CMO and you're using multiple channels, I mean, the, the research we see says that B2B CMOs are using on average 22 different tools across paid, owned, and earned. Wow. I mean, just think about all the tools that you're using. Like, I mean, you've got, you know, ads on the open web, you've got emails, you've got LinkedIn ads, LinkedIn social, Twitter ads, Twitter social, Instagram, Facebook. Right. Uh, you, you've got content syndication, webinar, chatbots, podcasts, CTV, like just on and on, like the list gets really long. So when you start to get so many tools like that where you just need to get visibility across everything, understand what's working. Um, that's really like the sweet spot for us. So, you know, we tend to work with companies where they've got say 50 million of revenue or more, because at that point, like you're spending a lot on all these tools and you really need to get a handle on it. And it's worth it for you to really work with a tool like Octane 11. So that's like with, with direct customers. We also work with agencies. I think it's a great tool for agencies that focus on B2B because they're 
running all these tools for their right. clients and their clients want to know like what's working, what's not working. How, how do I know if I'm engaging my, my target accounts and all that? And so it's a great tool for agencies. And typically we work in kind of like a three-way relationship with clients and agencies to bring those analytics to them. So it's like really synergistic. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, you know, there's so many tools out there and there are so many competitors that I'm sure claim to kind of do similar things or are able to marry everything. And, you know, back in the day, that was supposed to be the ad server's job, right? But there was also many different, or I should say not different, but there were just less options out there. Mm -hmm. So in terms of analytics and reporting, you know, understanding that marrying paid, earned and owned must be pretty hard. Like, you know, not everybody is is, is comparing apples to apples. And I, I do remember the days of media math, like a big thing was, okay, you're looking at impressions. It's not the same as page views. Like you're looking at this, you know, yeah. clicks, but it's not the same as, you know, another metric that might be in, in Google analytics or an analytics tool that they were trying to compare. So how are you having those conversations with people when they're looking at this holistically or what metrics are you really kind of, um, bringing together to be able to make it a fair comparison and be able to provide intelligent yeah. insights that make difference on these campaigns. Yeah, no, it's a great question because every one of those tools that a CMO is using has their own metrics and they right. have their own reporting, but they've just kind of like evolved in different directions. And so the first point for us is that we're connecting a hundred percent of the tools across paid, owned, and earned, and they're met because the metrics are all different. We're normalizing that across all of those. So we kind of like map everything to an engagement, and then we kind of give like a different scoring for different kinds of engagements. Because like you know, for example, like on an ad, there's a click, like that's pretty much it. But on a social post, you've got a like, you've got a share, you've got a comment. Each of those may be means some a little bit uh, stronger degree of engagement, and so we need to normalize that across all those different tools. We also normalize across like the terminology. So like one platform calls it a campaign, one calls it a program. Like we got to normalize all that kind of stuff. Uh, but the main thing is to bring all those tools together. We connect it and normalize the data. We also and allow you to add on a layer as of a, a like a an, like a campaign we call it an Octane 11 campaign which says that okay here here's a typical campaign for a CMO I've got a great new white paper I'm going to send out four emails I'm going to do five social posts I've got ads on the open web I've got ads on LinkedIn I've got a webinar I got maybe I have an in-person event I've I've got a chatbot script around that and so you want to know all that stuff relates to that one piece right. of content in that one campaign. So we make it easy to do that. So then you can really compare those multi-channel campaigns uh, side by side. Um, so that's, you know, one of the, the the first places to start the conversation. You know, when you mentioned like the ad server, it's a great point. Like, yeah, the ad server was supposed to do like a lot of deduping and all that kind of stuff. But like, that's still like a slice of, you know, a CMO's world. Like they're just, you know, that may be like, you know, whatever ads are on the open web, like that's maybe like 20% of the budget. And in B2B, that's even more the case because in B2B, you're super targeted. You're not buying like tonnage of ads on 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 the open web to like, you know, move tonnage on shelves right. uh, of like CPG sense. So like in B2B, you gotta be super targeted because only a small portion of the population is interested in your B2B solution. Um, so which that means like you're gonna use lots of different tools. And so you have to be able to, I agree. You got, you got to get out of just an ad server mindset 
because that's only a slice of your thing. And then you got to be able to normalize all those tools across all those different channels. That's not easy. Yeah, it's it definitely isn't easy. And I mean, I think in every aspect of every business, there's some level of education there to your client. So now you're taking something that is very complex, right? Something that's out of the norm, marrying it all together, and then creating, like you said, normalization of the data, how to look at it, how to extract metrics, uh, insights, and, and, and what metrics to look at and things like that. How is the education part going? I mean, I feel as though it's a great opportunity to normalize this for the industry and kind of be or, or set the industry standard or, or be a part of setting that standard. But it must also be a little bit harder to have some of these CMOs who are used to doing things a certain way um, and used to seeing things a certain way to now look at it at a different mindset. Obviously, yeah. data and metrics, you know, performance kind of tells itself. But to get to that point, like how how has that been and how are you working with your team and your clients to bring that aspect of education to the, the forefront? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I mean, the, the state of the game right now is that every company measures and manages completely differently. I mean, if you've got yeah. 10 CMOs in a room, they've got 10 different ways that they're measuring and tracking. Like there's no agreed upon way to do it, which has made it really hard to have any kind of standardized analytics. So like the state of the art right now, if you're a B2B CMO is you build your own analytics. Like there are really good tools for that. Like there's there's gotten to be great like integration tools, like a Fivetran or, you know, there's a bunch of companies in that category. Maybe you use like Google Analytics and build or Tableau or Looker. And like you build these great uh, visualizations, but like, that's really hard to do. It takes a really long time and you need to first like agree on what we're tracking and how we're going to do it. And that, that alone just takes forever. So we come in with a solution that says, Hey, we've got a standardized way to, to do it. We come in with 20 standard KPIs and right out of the box, you don't need to make any big decisions. Like we're just going to set it up for you. You can use that as your baseline. You're going to get like right out of the box. You're going to get great analytics, you're going to get like a report for your board, for your CRO, for the CEO, like this, the things that you just know you need as a baseline. And then on top of that, you can then take the data out of our platform and push it into Google Data Studio or Tableau or whatever you want to do like that last mile special, whatever you want, but you don't have to spend all that time crunching the data and getting to a baseline. And so that's just like a huge relief. I mean, I definitely think about when we talk with like Martech marketing analysts or your like your analytics leads on on teams, they're like, they get a sense of relief because they're like, oh my God, you guys are doing the thing that I'm spending 80% mm -hmm. of my time on that. And I'm not getting to the thing that I really want to do, which is like thinking because I'm doing so much of like matching and munging the data. So yeah. Um, and know, do you find that you could replace some of these other analytic tools that people are, are utilizing like a Tableau? Or do you think that you work better hand in hand with them for different, or does it depend on the, the goal of the client? Most of our clients use both. I mean, mm -hmm. they're, so this is the first time they're getting all the data from all these different touch points, all of them normalized, all of them enriched so that you, you, you know, which companies you're engaging with on every different touch point everything's aggregated to a campaign. So it's the first time you're getting data in that set. So the kinds of visualizations we can offer are like they haven't had a chance to do anything like that before. So like we're, we're, we're bringing you those 
analytics right out of the box. Like you're going to, clients that sign up, they get 10 different views of different cuts of the data that are super helpful. But like I said, half of our clients, in addition, take that data. Now that it's all set up, they push it into another BI because they want to do like some more extra ad hoc analysis, or they want to push it into another platform, maybe where the sales team can use it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're aggregating a lot of great signal at the account level, and we can push that into Salesforce, for example. And a lot of our clients are doing that so that when you go in, when a seller goes into Salesforce, before they reach out to a client, they can see all the marketing engagements with every single person at that account by channel and by topic. What's the business topic that they were engaging with? That's That's massively powerful. That really is. And so how are you using that information or how are you advising to use that information to optimize campaigns and decision-making on, you know, maybe who to target or building out a new audience or testing something else, testing out a new, a new partner or, or so on and so forth. How, how are those, how is that data now being used to make actions? Yeah, there, there's so many great use cases that come out of it. One of the first things that we do with clients is we, as soon as you get onboarded, we offer an audit. We call it the 30-day audit. So when we sign up with a client, any kind of new clients, they can sign up for just that audit to get started. You sign up, it takes four phone calls. We do four web sessions just to get everything instrumented. We have a call with like your email person and your CRM and your social person and your ads person. Just do that. You could do it all on one call, but typically companies have like a different person. So we just say four calls, we get it set up, we start analyzing the data for 30 days. And at the end of the 30 30 days, you get the audit and it includes a front page with 20 KPIs across all like the key metrics around engagements and media efficiency and return on ad spend. So how you're actually influencing pipeline and close one business and how well you're reaching and engaging your target accounts and how well your data is set up. So those are kind of the four areas for the KPIs. You get that report card with a letter grade um, <laughs> and it really shows you, yeah, don't don't get too nervous, but you get, you know, exactly which areas you need to drill in on. Oh, because that. by the way, the most important part is that the letter grade is based on how your KPIs compare to your industry peers. So one of the benefits of standardizing these analytics across our entire client base is that all the clients are set up the same way and we use that anonymized data in aggregate to create benchmarks. So you know what is the what's the average, what's the norm for this particular KPI. So now I know okay what's how do I score on that particular KPI and I look at all these places where I may be below the norm, now I can decide exactly where I want to go focus. It's That's actually great. amazing for it's great for any kind of CMO but it's really good for people just getting into the CMO seat or like yeah. a head of media marketing or head of analytics, because they just get a snapshot of everything. And then, you know, then kind of look at that on an ongoing basis. But yeah. beyond the scorecard, then you get to drill in to sp- specific cuts of the data. So for example, the first one is channel analysis. So you're going to see all of your channels all lined up side by side, how much you're spending, what's your cost per engagement, what's your cost per lead by channel, um, and how much of your uh, accounts you're engaging by channel, as an example of some of the KPIs and how that compares to industry benchmarks. So the first thing actionable right out of that is you can see like, hey, we're spending like way more on search than the average. Like, is that the right thing to be doing? Right. Maybe we should think about that. Or, hey, like, look at this, our engagement on LinkedIn social, 
LinkedIn organic is amazing at like 8%. But wait a second, the industry norm is like 10%. So like we're patting ourselves on the back, but maybe there's things we can do to optimize. So you can kind of go through that. Then in addition, you may say, hey, like, look, there's a channel here that we're not using at all that we should be using because we've got industry peers that are using it and they're they're knocking out of the park with that. Mm-hmm. And that incredibly like does change quarter to quarter. Because- that is amazing. Do you guys go back and kind of, you know, I, I think that that would be so valuable, especially like you said, coming on board, you know where to focus. And then do you come back to it in like three to six months and be like, okay, here's a level of improvement or now we focus on this, we're, we're up to, you know, industry standard or exceeding at industry standards. Let's focus yeah. on X, Y, and Z now. Absolutely. I mean, that just, just kind of gets to be your kind of punch list of areas to focus on. That um, really is very valuable. And, you know, I don't think a lot of other people are offering something like that either. Uh, and to have that as the I, first I see, page is powerful. It's super powerful. I mean, you get the scorecard, you get the um, channel analytics, you get the campaign analytics. So now you're talking about like, here's all of our campaigns across every channel lined up side by side. And so now I can see like, well, I had a campaign that had like, the email, the chat, the, the the social posts, the ads, whatever, all rolled up. And now I can see how they're comparing, not not just on engagement, but on like how many form fills did they drive? How much how much revenue did that drive? Um, you know, all the way through because we connect through to the CRM. So you can compare that campaign by campaign. And what's really cool about that is campaigns are typically centered around a piece of content. Mm-hmm. So it gives you a great way to evaluate content in a real like apples to apples way. So now you're saying, hey, like this concept, this this piece of content, like really engaged and drove a lot of new business, um, whereas maybe this one didn't as much. So like, hey, this one that worked really well, let's do that again. Let's do mm-hmm. like a, a version number two. Maybe we'll do it next quarter or maybe we'll do it next year and make that a recurring piece of content that you can be known for. You know, whereas the one that didn't engage super well, like maybe we can find why it didn't quite land. Or we may say, hey, like, that's great. Like, we're always going to try new things and like, mm-hmm. let, like next next thing up. Um, so it, that's so, you know, those are two of the examples of the pages that you get out of uh, the audit. That's pretty, pretty interesting. And what do you think are some of like the biggest trends happening right now in B2B media analytics? And, and where do you see that going or, you know, where maybe where the need is, you know, what do you see being developed for that? Well, I mean, account-based marketing, ABM is for sure like the biggest uh, trend, maybe like mega trend uh, in B2B. And like, it's um, oddly enough, like when you get into like acronym land, ABM, people are like, well, oh, what does that mean? And what does that mean to you? What does it mean? You know, like people will disagree on like what ABM means because there are different styles. Like does ABM mean like super targeting like your top 10 clients and like with a surrounding like we're going to go all out on them? Or does it mean like, I'm going to target groups of companies that are of a similar type? Or does it mean I'm going to like, just focus on target accounts? In our view, like everything that you do in B2B marketing has to be denominated in accounts. Um, You know, whether it's one-to-one or one-to-few or one-to-many. So like, but that's a trend that's like, that's here to stay. I think everyone's really kind of focused on that. And that initially was really manifest itself in targeting and now it's kind of coming through on the measurement. And so like, first you get targeting, then you're like, okay, measurement, did we um, actually reach and engage those target accounts? And now we're getting more into like, hey, like how did that follow through all the way into actual 
business results, you know, like a pipeline and, and revenue. And so that's a trend that's still, you know, kind of taking shape. Like you always see like every quarter, maybe every year, like the ABM state of ABM and, you know, how many companies are adopting that approach. It, it should get to like a hundred percent, honestly. But then you start to say, well, are you applying that to everything you're doing? Um, not just like paid ads or you know, not just your LinkedIn spend, but it really should be at everything that you do, whether it's events and webinars and social and what's happening on your chat bots on your website, um, CTV podcasts. I mean, right. some of these things are going to become more and more into frame as the technology gets a little bit better. And what do you think are some of the biggest mistakes that some B2B marketers or CMOs make before coming to you guys, or maybe, you know, they're realizing once they come to you, like, oh, maybe this wasn't the greatest idea or things that you you typically remedy a little bit more than others, maybe. Well, I mean, I think one of the things that the analysts end up missing on is like, are they really thinking about it on an account basis? And are they really following the whole story through to results? I still, I mean, as much as companies are thinking about targeting, like uh, they may not be doing it across all channels. Um, they may still be focused on you know, we call vanity metrics like clicks or mm-hmm. engagements, but you really got to connect all the way through down to a closed one business, and and that's revenue because that's really what what drives you know your business forward. The other thing that comes up a lot is form fills. <laughs> form fills are like the greatest uh, indicator of interest from a client. So if you take your form fills and so someone said, hey, like I want to talk with you. Um, like that's obviously amazing. Um, that's like, we think about that. It's like, you're like fish jumping in the boat, like you're fishing yeah. and fish are just jumping in the boat. It's wonderful. It'd be wonderful if it happened, but it, it, it's happening less and less, uh, less and less often now because people are doing the research for longer there. There's better and better content on the sites. You can learn a ton. You can process information from lots of different sources. And so by the time buyers are raising their hand to you know fill out the form to say let's talk they've already made up their mind right so as a, as a sales team as a marketing team you need to you can't just like sit back and wait for the form fills to come in you have to say like what are the accounts that are showing intent through as many different channels as possible that would help a sales team to prioritize to reach out to them uh, that that one's huge yeah i mean that is a very valuable lead as well, right? Um, somebody filling that out. And it is interesting. And I'm wondering how much of it too has to do with the generation changing and the way that people are utilizing the internet changing of who's filling out those forms and who who aren't or who isn't. That's yeah. very interesting to me as well. Yeah. Um, and so how do you use the data uh, to tell stories and be able to kind of move forward with some of these recommendations. A lot of what we've been talking about or or what I've been seeing in analytics and, you know, in in working with clients is like, you know, what's the story and, and how are we moving them along that path, right? We all have a place and a goal of where we're trying to get our clients from point A to point B. And sometimes we have to kind of make little steps to get there. So yeah. how are you kind of formulating this to make them feel comfortable taking that journey with you too? This this seems to be fairly new to a lot of people, at least the approach mm-hmm. that you guys are taking towards it, but it seems very valuable and powerful. And being able to advise upon that and build that trust is really important. But how are you utilizing those learnings to bring them along on the journey to kind of 
you know, want more and kind of keep mm-hmm. nagging, so to speak, at that. Are, and are you saying for like for the end client buyers or for the, like the users of like a platform like ours? More so for the end client buyers, like yeah. for the platform, yeah. like I, I get that of, of what you're you're utilizing and how you're mm-hmm. getting them to kind of make decisions and, and improve. Yeah. But then, yeah. you know, how is that affecting the end goal? Yeah, well, I mean, the, um, you know, the typical rule of thumb is like maybe 10 percent of the potential buyers are in market for your solution at any given time. So if you think about like what your ideal customer profile is, you kind of use firmographics or demographics like, you know, industry or what else is in their technology stack or size of the business or you know, geography or whatever that because that's like your ICP, your ideal customer profile. And that's your like, you know, target account universe. But of those, maybe only 10% are in market at this moment to buy something. I mean, you know, when you're in market, you've made a decision, I got to buy this and you're like ready to go. The rest of the time, you know, maybe you're just kind of consuming things that look interesting or you're just like not paying attention at all. So as a marketer, like you you just have to kind of keep the pace of information out there. Um, so you give an opportunity for those future potential buyers to engage. And the ones that are in the 10%, they're going to jump on, they're going to engage. Maybe they fill out a form, maybe they don't, but maybe they're demonstrating enough signals that you can say, hey, like I know that company is really interested because they're liking my posts, they're all over my website, they're talking to my chat bot, they just listen to my podcast, like, you know, all those kind of things. Uh, you could use that to say, okay, this is a client that's right for me. The 90%, like you just have to, keep the content out there and keep it relevant and keep keep kind of uh, breaking through. And the way we, what I was describing before, show um, the effectiveness of campaigns and we roll up all those tactics at the campaign level, lets you see which content's really working. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of like continue the rollout of those, what we call them topics, like business, business topics and just, you know, through all those um, campaigns and try to get them out through as many channels as possible. Interesting. And what is one piece of advice, I guess, that you would give to a new B2B media analyst? So a, a couple things. Like one, there are some great white papers out there. Um, I definitely like LinkedIn B2B Institute is one that I love a, a lot. There's a great white paper called Think Like Disney, uh, which is a couple of years old. It is a great way of thinking about content and finding like your best content and figuring out how to like cut it up and get it out into different channels. Um, so you've got, um, you know, white papers like them, like the, some of the ABM platforms are doing, you know, have great uh, white papers that describe uh, multi-channel and analytics and and all that, you know, companies like Demandbase or um, Sixth Sense or companies like that. So like getting, consuming that, but maybe the thing that's not so obvious is that a lot of these white papers or posts that you read about, they have really great ideas that you're like, okay, yeah, that really makes sense. And then you get down to the point where it's like, okay, now how do I execute this? And they kind of like trail off in like a dot, dot, dot. Right. And there's no real like, okay, what, what do I do first? Like, what's my next thing? It just says like, you got to figure out your ICP. You got to take your content and cut it up. You got to get it on every channel. And, but then it doesn't go, it doesn't tell you exactly how to do it. And that's one of the things that we really you know, focus on at Octane 11 is like, you can follow the story and the the data and like the, how it's done all the way down to the last thing. Like, it's just an open, it's an open book. Like we want people to really be able to understand how it all works and be able to describe it. So unfortunately, when you're talking, so 
your question about like, uh, you know, someone early, maybe early in their career trying to get up to speed in the category. The problem is like, they may be talking to salespeople or reading those white papers and they just don't get that detail on how it's done. They kind of gloss over that last mile. So my advice is take a little time to find those sources that tell you exactly how it works and just keep probing and ask the question. And if you can't understand it, like none of this technology is like rocket science, like you should be able to understand right. it and you can ask the question and, you know, just say like, can you explain it to me one more time, a little more slowly to figure it out? So that's my advice. And that investment will really pay off because you really know how it works and what can be done and what can't be done and you know, be able to deliver better results. And based off of the people that you're speaking to and, you know, understanding the needs of your clients, what do you think are some of the biggest opportunities in the B2B space and, and the B2B analytics space in the upcoming years? Well, I mean, certainly AI and LLM, like that, the, those tools are going to be incredible. Like the ability to consume massive amounts of data and to draw insights is going to be huge and a huge time saver uh, for analysts, for marketers, kind of up and down the chain. But I mean, to do that, you really need to, there's a couple things that are going to be requirements for that to be useful. I mean, the, the chat, chat GPT is out there. Um, it, but it's not, it, it, it's not, it, it's useful for some things, but not for everything. It's not great for marketing analytics just yet. Right. Um, so, I mean, but I feel gonna... like there's some people that don't realize that yet either and are still trying to utilize AI to find shortcuts. And then maybe data isn't accurate. Things aren't working out properly. So like yeah. marrying AI, I think, it, like you said, is going to be part of the future. But like, how are you seeing that intertwine seamlessly or accurately? Or it's kind of twofold, right? Like AI could be super helpful or it could really kind of screw things up a little bit. So yeah. how uh, are you viewing yeah. that? Absolutely. I mean, so, I mean, the prerequisite for the AI to be super helpful is that you're going to need to have data that's extensive and fresh, <laughs> you know, so, you know, obviously we can't like chat GPT as of right now, like it's limited to, you know, 2021. So you got to like have data that's like fresh and accurate one, two, it has to be complete. So you can't have data. Like, for example, we're talking about B2B, like if you've got ads data, but it doesn't have any information stitched into it around companies, like that's not going to be super helpful. Mm -hmm. Like that's just going to be more kind of media metrics. You got to get it stitched in. So you need that data to be complete. Um, and then the third thing is if you're going to apply machine learning to any kind of data set, that's your own data set, you got to make sure that that's secure and privacy compliant. So like, I think those are the three kind of prerequisites. Spoiler alert. That's what we do. Like we, <laughs> we we get we get all the data, we get it fresh, we get it's complete. We enrich the data so it's got you know all the different elements that you need, and it's 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 in our secure you know SOC two privacy compliant warehouse. So like we're already starting to apply machine learning to the data sets uh, that we have, and that teases out insights and recommendations. And how is um, that so going that, so far? It's great. I mean, it's a saving time, like right out yeah. of the gate, like you're getting in our platform, just like <clears throat> some of the, even the most basic um, observations and recommendations uh, coming out of the platform. So you don't have to go kind of hunting for things. It's kind of pops right out in front of you, uh, which is great. That also comes in, in that audit that I talked about yeah. on that, that 30 day audit, you get that. The next thing I think is going to be even more exciting after that, um, that's really coming up right after it is, is, is applying all of that to images and video. 
Uh, mm. Because like you can now like processing, like understanding what's in images, like there is a bit in like marketing analytics, a kind of a divide between like just the data, like the ones and zeros and like the creative images. When you can start to marry that up and apply machine learning to it to like look at and process and categorize thousands, ten, hundreds of thousands, millions of images and videos, like that becomes super powerful. And that's another thing that we're, that's part of our platform. Like we vote from the beginning, we've always been capturing images and video from our clients so that you can not just look at a campaign with the ones and zeros, but you can say like, what was the creative for that? Right. Um, and historically we're showing, okay, here's some campaign side by side and here's the images. Like you can draw your own inferences on like, why did this image and uh, piece of content perform better or, for, or worse? But with the AI applied with the image recognition and parsing of the images and categorizing images, like that's going to be way more valuable. And so that I think is going to be really super exciting. That is really exciting. Um, I'm interested to see how that works out once it's actually fully developed and and in use. Um, yeah. It seems very exciting to kind of see how, you know, what metrics will be extracted, how to utilize that, how to incorporate that into the data, how to action off of that too. Um, yeah exciting things to come. And what about new emerging technologies and new tools? You know, what do you think will have the most impact on on the B2B field, aside from Octane 11 and, and what you guys are doing? You know, are there any other partners or technologies that you are looking to work with or that a majority of your clients do work with that you're kind of like, you know, this really complements us really well, or this is doing X, Y, and Z really well? You know, how do you see emerging technologies or new technologies coming to the forefront to help in the B2B space? One of the main things you need to do as a marker, as CMO, is you have to constantly be trying to break through the noise and the clutter. And so one of the reasons why there, CMOs or marketing teams are using so many different tools is that you've got to use so many different uh, media types um, to kind of break through. And there's always something new. Um, so you know, whether it's like audio and podcasts or CTV, um, digital out of home, tracking data from events, like those are, those kinds of uh, media types are lagging a little bit like the open web in terms of like the data, but they're super high impact. And so, you know, as we get better uh, ability to analyze the data coming out of those platforms, like that's going to be, I, I think, really exciting um, because right now those are th those can be a little bit of a blind spot, but like we're already starting to pipe those into our platform. Yeah. Um, you know, for us, like we just need to know like which what's the platform and what are the companies that were reached and engaged. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I, I love all those formats. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's always new formats, right? Um, back in the day, you had like the IAB standard sizes and standard formats, and that was it. And now you have all of these crazy sizes, crazy formats, you know, all of these ads doing these different things. And I think it's really amazing. Um, but I also think it kind of creates a lot of noise and could be a little bit hard for marketers to really understand where to focus, where to hone in and what's going to work for them. So being able to kind of crack through that or utilize an analytics tool like Octane 11 to really understand this is where you should focus and this is what's working and this is what's not is very impactful and very important just as much as performance of who's converting and what's our ROI and and yeah. you know how many people are are buying our products or or service yeah. or so on and so forth. You always have to be on the lookout for like the next thing that's breaking through and and they don't last very long by the way. Like anytime right. there's a new format, 
that's working, everybody goes goes right after it, um, and then you know it'll be it'll be less uh, impactful because the cost will go up or it'll be kind of overused. I mean, that's something that we surface in our platform because we're getting the data very fresh. So we we're seeing okay in the last quarter, like this is a format or a, or a vendor that like really was killing it in terms of like the ROI or the engagement level. Uh, one of them uh, I'll share for you know is a a great one for people that are listening is like the thing that in the last quarter, probably two quarters, that's been incredible is Google discovery ads. Mm. If you're not using them right now, you have to go out and start using them. The engagement is off the charts. The cost is super low. So like your cost per engagement has been amazing. These are like, there's a bunch of different formats, but they, uh, it, it's kind of like if you're on in, um, Instagram and you get reels and you, or uh, you get like a little pre-roll that's like tailored to you, but it's that, but ads tailored to B2B. And so it's like a great uh, canvas. Um, the targeting's really good. Um, and the performance is, is, has been great. I think they're changing the name to, um, I think lead gen ads, um, but it's, it's been called Google discovery ads and it's been amazing. And that, so run out and, and, and buy those. Um, <laughs> And, um, you know, you get the benefit because it won't last for long because like, right. you know, people will catch on and they'll start using it and the, the price will kind of come into equilibrium. But there's always new things like that coming yes. out and you've got to move fast to, to get on it. Do you have a secret tool or, you know, how do you kind of stay up to date with those things or figure them out? That's in our platform. So like our, it, all that data is coming in. And so you're seeing like, OK, here's the channels that we've been using and how they're performing on all those KPIs and how it compares to our industry peers for those same tools. But also, what are the tools that our industry peers are not using? Mm. Uh, sorry, what are the tools that our industry peers are using that we're not using that are performing so well? Like, why aren't we using those Google discovery ads? Right. Interesting. And so that's, those that's cool. things are popping up all the time. Yeah. And how do you think this is going to evolve the analyst role? You know, um, I think normalizing the data is great. I think having, you know, Octane 11, um, obviously people are going to try to create something similar or, you know, there's always competition, right? Um, yeah. No idea is ever 100% unique and stays that way forever. So how yeah. do you think that having a tool like this is going to evolve the analyst's role? So number, so on the, on, on how it evolves the analyst role. So the, um, I think we're going to get into like a golden age of the media analyst actually, uh, because it's been so hard to do the job that you signed up for to like analyze, um, because yeah. you like a, as an analyst, you're spending like 80% of your time, just like connecting spreadsheets or and gathering data, build, gathering data and like, you know, being told like that data is wrong and chasing chasing it down and finding outages and all that kind of stuff like literally 80 percent and that's the part of the job that, that people hate um and they what they want to do is the thinking part and the, mm -hmm. the the analyzing and the coming up with the insights and getting creative that's the fun um, part. so <laughs> that's the fun part so i think that 80 percent of time on like the kind of busy work the thankless busy work is going to go away maybe it doesn't go to zero but it's going to go way 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 down and open up a lot more time for the stuff that people really want to do so i think that's going to be i think that's going to be a golden age i think it's going to be it's going to be super fun yeah i i think it will be too and i'm excited to kind of see that take fruition yeah. um well thank you so much dan this was really great i always like to end the segment with two fun questions 
The first question is, what was your first job? And I think about my first job, it was probably a summer job renovating homes uh, <laughs> with uh, for a friend, my friend of mine's father who's doing like a contractor and um, and a builder. And I got to get in there and like, you know, hammer shingles and things like that. That's houses. fun. Boys love that stuff. <laughs> it, it was fun. And it was um, I just love building like I just love building stuff, too. So that was like that was a great one. That's I pretty cool. That. Yeah. And if you had to choose any career pie in the sky doesn't matter where money whatever what would it be and why you know actually it's a, a job that i had before oh. um it was in venture capital so i worked with a great venture capital firm called mavron uh based in seattle and um i think venture capital is, is just a great it, it, it's a great role because you're seeing so many great ideas you're talking with so many great entrepreneurs and you're not just saying like i'm i'm, I'm making a bed and i'm I'm investing, but I'm also part of the solution. Like I'm being, I'm involved in like, as a venture capitalist, you're helping the CEO with, with ideas, um, right? Plan the business, hiring, you know, just sales, just everything. At the time when I did that, I was very early in my career, and I felt like, hey, if I really want to do this well, I, I, I personally felt like I wanted to have that experience hmm. of building a company, so that I knew, like, I could really kind of walk in the shoes of the entrepreneur, of the CEO, of the founder. Um, to be, you know, I could relate more and I could be more helpful. So it's uh, something that, you know, I did before and I, and I loved it. Um, you know, something that I'd probably love to get back to again. At some That's point really cool. Um, it's a very cool role to have. And um, I don't know too much about that, that industry, but a lot of people that I do know that have been in it, I say it is very exciting. And I could understand the fact of being surrounded by all of these ideas and sparking, you know, creativity and um motivation and you know just really being inspiring and i can understand why that would be so appealing i've never had anyone tell me that it was a job that they've already had though so that's a good one and it's nice that you've had experience in your dream job hopefully you get there one day again <laughs> but um thank you again i really loved this this was a great session i would love if you could just tell us where our listeners could find you if they're interested in learning more or working with you yeah i mean probably the best place is look me up on linkedin you know, Dan Rosenberg, you look at Octane 11, it's O-C-T-A-N-E, number one, number one. And you go to our website, but I would say definitely follow me, follow, or link, you know, connect to me, um, you know, follow, uh, you know, our, our company, Octane 11. And if you are a B2B marketer, CMO, head of digital, um, and, and you are interested in taking a look at this uh, platform, take a look at this audit. Um, it's that 30-day B2B impact audit. And we set you up in 30 days. It just takes four meetings. We've made it all super simple. We run it for 30 days. You get the scorecard and you get all the analytics. And it's a very low entry level price point. It's like the cost of maybe like a little consulting budget that you have or some unused um, uh, media budget. Get set up and then, you know, you'll get a ton of insights that will really help you, particularly, you know, in Q4 planning that you're you know, thinking about next year create some benchmarks. It's, it's an amazing, every time I look at it and I'm explaining to people, I'm like, I can't believe what we're giving away here. I can't believe what I'm just um, hearing about what you're giving away. It really it's so seems good. so we're amazing. We're not giving away. It's not <laughs> Well, it's not, yes, it's, it's not, not free, free but, but just the, the insights that you're able to extract. Yeah, it, it's incredible. The value you, know, I, you provide. You know, because I was in the role of the CMO, um, I just had this very unique opportunity because I was a CMO inside of a MarTech company. So I actually like 
you know, felt the pain points and was able to like kind of dream the dream. And then we went out and we, we built the dream platform. And so there it is. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you again. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and um, we'll chat soon. Yeah. Thanks so much. It was fun. Thank you.